Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Hello to the Color Me Dead podcast listeners. Today, we are bringing you episode 130, Aaron Hernandez, part two because I got high. We are your hosts, Angel and Nikki. (laughs) You think that was annoying and boring? For those of you who say I can't read, I just did that all by myself. No (laughs) hesitation. (laughs) How did that fucking happen? (laughs) How do you feel now, bitches? So before we get started, let's do a, a little a, a little talking about some shit like ageofradio.org, O-R-G. Don't type in orgy. You might get something different. You can go in there. You can listen to our episodes. You can shop the bazaar, or you can hear other podcasts that are in our network, or you can donate to our Patreon with the big Patreon button. Button. I think there's still a big Patreon button. Last time I looked, there was. Donate. They're going to be like, you lying ass bitch. I was looking for this big Patreon button and there wasn't one there. Ain't one there. And while we're on Patreon, we got to give a huge thank you to our Patreons that are supporting us right now, especially through our little break. You guys are all bad motherfuckers. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Perks again are heading out soon. Again. Again. Uh, some more. Some and if more you guys is coming. Sorry. Are interested in getting some merch without pledging to the Patreon, you can go to colormedeadpod.threadless.com and shop there for all things Color Me Dead. If you want to check us out on social media, you can find us on Facebook at the Color Me Dead podcast page. You can follow us on the Polo Me Dead Hub is good to be. The Polo Me Dead Codpass group. <laughs> <laughs> the color me dead podcast group and uh if you're savvy with twitter you can have us ignore you there at color me dead pod um i try to check it i try i'm not awesome at it i go on there and then i get so overwhelmed i'm like i don't i don't know what i'm doing i went in over my head abort abort alarm 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 mm-hmm. but if you're on instagram color me dead podcast or gory underscore nikki or color me dead angel also you can find me on snapchat at color me dead angel um not that i post a whole lot other than my keto bullshit and if you would like to mail us things hate mail fingers whatever it's p.o box 1610 vernal utah 84078 we look forward to your fingers in the mail Finger really getting a finger getting if we really be getting a finger in the mail, I hope you check it that day. Oh Okay. Most of the time I just get cool shit like custom made teddy bears and Lilo and Stitch stuff. Right? I know I love the mail. Usually it's really rare. Oh, I love the mail and and LeGras, check her out. She's oh been my hooking God. us the fuck up. As we're both with like our with LeGras our new cups. cups. Yes. So did you see the shirts that I ordered from her? Yes. So I have been wanting to get some shirts made and the brand and the style that she got for my um, Captain Spaulding shirt, I love. So I sent her graphics, right, mm-hmm. that I wanted and what I wanted them to say. She sends me proofs and I'm like, yes, badass, perfect. And I'm like, wait, 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 can I change the font? Did change the font, rearranged it before she printed it, screen printed. Just so you guys know, 
There is a specific value in owning clothing that nobody else can get. And that was made just for you. Just for you. And the person like actually knows, you know, mostly knows you, sort of knows you. You know what? And gives a shit. That's why I like Miss Amanda at LeGraw Creations. Check them out. Yeah, she's making me a new tumbling mom cup because I have my hockey mom cup that I take everywhere. And Tyler's like, all your stuff says hockey mom. And I'm like, well, because that's what I've been doing. But now that we're tumbling, I'll get a tumbling mom cup, okay? She's like, okay. And a hoodie, too. I'm like, okay. Yep. So I've got my orders in. (laughs) See, and mine's all dark occult shit. Right, and my mine's all. I'm this mom. <laughs> you can totally tell where the difference in personalities is. Mine is like some demon king and you know demon princesses and shit. Well, the first one she made me was a, a Camp Crystal Lake shirt. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it started that way, and then hockey season started, and then it, it all went it from there. It went, Hashtag mom life. Hashtag mom, mom. And well, since. And since it is important for you to cite your sources. Yeah, I would like you to cite your sources, please. So we have the All-American Murder Book by James Patterson, which is where the bulk of the episodes are coming from, but I'm bringing in a lot from other ones. The Truth About Aaron Hernandez by Jonathan Hernandez, which is actually DJ. He changed his name. He talks about it in the book where he changed his, his basically his whole identity. He used to be DJ Changed it to Jonathan to kind of try to get out of the spotlight. Um, it's a it's a good book. There's also Unnecessary Roughness by Jose Baez. Fun fact about Jose Baez. Have you heard that name before? He, um, yes. He was part of the legal team um, that got Aaron Hernandez acquitted of the double murder that we will be talking about. I, I just gave away. I foreshadowed. I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. But if you've seen the fucking Netflix, you know what happened. Um, he also got off one of our favorite little cunts that kept her kid in a garbage bag. <clears throat> yep. If you don't know who that is, then, well, I'm sorry. There's also the Netflix special, In the Mind of Aaron Hernandez. There's also Reels. Um, autopsy, the last hours of Aaron Hernandez. <clears throat> and I'm going to give a thank, a special thank you to my favorite little research assistant, Calvin, my son, when we had to go on a long hockey trip where we were doing a lot of extra driving that weekend, we listened to the truth about, um, Aaron and he was so kind to sit and take notes for me the whole entire time because I was driving. <laughs> so big thank you to, to the boy. Also, Brian Riley. Um, remember Tanya? Tanya? I don't know how the fuck we say your name. Uh, that we talked about his his cousin? Well, he just happened to live next door to her um, when this all went down. And he knew Aaron. And he dealt with him from a young child. He knew Aaron's dad. And so he called and gave me quite a few insights about everything that I've tried to put in the episode. And while we're here... Can we take a moment to say Worcester? Worcester. 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 I started saying it wrong just for fun, like just because after that, because I was like, I'm never going to get it right. I'm never, ever, not one time going to say it right. And then that packed a car. Do you have smart pack? I packed it. Did you pack it at Foxborough? <laughs> packed it. I packed it and unpacked it. Yeah, that's been my favorite thing lately. So. 
Anyway, if you see me in New England, you'll know that I don't fit in there because I can't say shit right. So I, when I wrote this, I said last week we left off, but it was like three last, weeks ago, last month. I don't know. Last time. Can we, we'll just go with last time. When we left off, we were at the combine. The overall outcome for Aaron was that he had a shit ton of talent, but low self-esteem and he was immature. But before we talk about pro day in the draft, which was, which came later, um, I'm going to backtrack because I found a lot in between writing the first and second episode. I want to talk a little bit, start starting off talking a little bit about Aaron's sexuality. And I'm going to mention this a lot later because I've had a lot of different thoughts come to my mind about it. DJ mentioned that he was molested by an older boy. Um, and an older woman when he was about six years old. I got a little more insight into the molestation from from DJ's book. Aaron and DJ went to their babysitter's house one day, and there was an older kid that came over. He wanted to play hide-and-go-seek with the boys, and DJ said that he was hiding in a dark closet for about 15 minutes, and he was sitting there getting all pissed off because nobody was coming for him. He's like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it's dark and scary, and I don't like it. And he probably had to pee because every time I pee or I hide, I have to go pee. I hate that. And he probably had to pee. And they didn't want to go pee. But he couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. And he never knew why nobody came to find him. He said it was about 15 minutes. But many years later, when Aaron was in prison, he finally admitted that he was forced to perform oral sex on that boy. And it went on for a long time, for years later, years to come. Aww. DJ recalled Aaron having night terrors around the same age. He would scream in his sleep, they're coming to get me. He never remembered any of this when he woke up, though. DJ remembered because he shared a room with Aaron. He talked about how small their little room was. They had two twin, they had, each had a twin bed next to each other. And so he remembered his mom, their mom, Terry, coming in to comfort him and be like, it's okay, it's okay. Then he'd snap to, and he didn't know that he was saying, they're coming for me, they're coming for me. He never knew what happened, why most people don't remember their night terrors. No, Calvin. Well, you used won't to... remember your night terrors. You know that you wake up scared, panicked, and mm-hmm. you might remember like a blip. Like I've remembered blips. <clears throat> I can recall my nightmares pretty easily, but not my night terrors. Or like when I'm sleepwalking, I have no fucking clue. Do you have recurring night terrors where you say the same thing? Do you know? Like has Spencer said anything? I know you don't know, but has Spencer said? I think when I was younger, um, I had a couple of situations. Um, that my mom would tell me, you know, I had some reoccurring ones. Um, as I got older, my sleepwalking and my night terrors kind of, I mean, I still do it, just not to the same intensity. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, in DJ's book, he also talked about how Aaron would stand with his hip cocked and his wrists on his hip with his hands pointed to the back. Dennis would yell at him and say, why do you stand like a faggot? Like, that was the, the literal quote of what his dad would say. Because, you know, you know this stance, like, with your hip all cocked and... Well, and his dad was just a complete homophobe. Uh-huh. Like, in a very, very major way. So, I'm sure that anything that he did that, you know, was considered effeminate or, you know, emasculating, his dad's going to let him know about it. Yep. DJ talked more about the abuse when they were kids. And a lot of it was relatable for us that grew up in the eighties and the early nineties. Most of us aren't strangers to the wooden spoon, the hangers and the belt or the vacuum cord. And neither were they. However, it seems that Terry and Dennis leveled up sometimes. So that part was funny. Listening with Calvin, he was like, he was horrified and I was just nodding. I'm like, mm, it sounds like a regular day in the eighties. <laughs> pretty much dude. Like I, yeah, I'm not even a, 
I'm not even going to nope. talk about that shit today. Dennis would tell them that if they wanted to call social services, they could, but that he was physically going to beat them to death while they were waiting for the cops or the social workers to show up. DJ talked about a time where he was sitting at the table and he felt something hit him really hard on the side of the forehead. He reached up and pulled out vacuum cord prongs that had lodged in the side of his head because he was hit that hard with the cord. When he pulled it out, blood ran down his face. He never said which one of his parents did um, strike him with the cord, but he did say afterwards, he overheard him. Um, the comment was that this has to stop. This that, that was too much. All right. You went one step too far. We should probably reel this in. You fucking think? You sure? God damn you. To get a vacuum, like the prongs stuck the actual in your prong- fucking head. So my, I have, I have thoughts about that both like skeptic like skepticism Mm -hmm. and like well i don't know man maybe she swung it hard enough and it like swung around and went bank and just stuck in his head with some force yeah i don't know i've seen some shit like from my mom and my my biological dad my stepdad the one that passed away in november he never put a hand on me my stepfather had a way of talking to me that i would have rather him hit me where you're like, I don't want you to be disappointed in me. I just want you to beat me. Yeah, I would much rather have taken a foot to the ass. Well, DJ also talked about his father's partying. When he talked about their life, he would tell these stories about how much fun they would have as a family. But on the other hand, all of the bad shit that went along with this. It's kind of like having a, a conversation with my brothers about our childhood. Like, remember this? Wasn't that fun? It was until dad got drunk and then kicked our door in and tried to kill our mom with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? That's a lot where they're at. Like, it was so fun because they would go over, from what I understood, and it might not be, it might not be 100%, but... Um, Brian said that they would all go over there together and they would all party and stay up all night. And it was, it was basically all of them would go over there. The kids would go do their thing and be little thugs. And then parents also did their thing. Parents also did their thing, which is basically what the kids were doing is all drugs and shit. Right. And it's, (laughs) it's one of those things. And like I said, I'm not, that's not a quote. Yeah. It was the eighties. Not a quote that that might be me taking my my opinion a little bit too far, but... Well, but, like, one night, Dennis told Terry that he was going out with some of his buddies and that he would be back around 10.30. Terry sarcastically said, okay, okay, Dennis. Like, 10 o'clock, really? Okay, I'll leave that shit when I see it. So, she knew he wouldn't be home by then. DJ and Aaron were woken up at 3 a.m. to yelling in the driveway, and this is when Dennis's friends had brought him home, and she was out there yelling at him. The kids snuck into the kitchen to watch out of the window. They saw them coming in, so they ran back to their rooms, but they were peeking to see what was going on. When they got inside, Terry had smashed a rotary phone over Dennis's head and then put her cigarette out on his forehead. Mm-hmm. That's excessive. A little bit. That's just a little bit excessive. The argument led to the bathroom where Dennis then smashed Terry's head repeatedly on the sink until her body went limp. So, what you guys should have gathered from that blip is that the amount of domestic violence in that home superseded the average 80s amount. The, like did. the allotted amount for... For the 80s. For the 80s. Like you and don't... 90s. You don't... Like I can understand being frustrated that your husband didn't come home when he said he was going to be home. And that's when you just... Yeah. Lock and the I, door, I, I, the, I get... Fr- you know, I would be frustrated as well. You don't smash a man 
on the face with a rotary phone, that big, heavy motherfucker, and then put a cigarette out on his forehead. That's driving it home, dude. That, yeah. You, well, you literally just left a permanent disfigurement on the middle of the man's face. I can't even imagine, like, I mean, I've been pissed off, but not to, not nearly to that point. I'm not going I'm to like, burn my husband. No. I'm not going to smash him with a phone. No. Just I might, he I might jab him with a lightsaber, but. Right. That, that's a given. Or like towel snap him with a really starchy fucking I told towel. you you weren't going to be home at 1030. Right. Yeah. Well, after after she he's beat her and her body's kind of gone limp, they say they said that she wasn't knocked out, but it sounded to me kind of like it was. So I don't know if it's knocked out for a or minute or if she was or, just dazed and kind of like yeah. Because when she came to or or whatever, she looked up at the boys with blood running down her face, all dramatic. Like I can see this in I can see it so well, and um, she said something like, "See what kind of a person your father is." You're like, like, hey, did you know that we just watched you put your cigarette out on his face? Yeah. And I'm not saying, damn. like, I'm not, I'm not validating no. or excusing his actions, but like, y- you know. Well, and these are the kind of examples that they have for their lives. Like, this is what example they have for what parenting is. You know what I mean? What life is like. This is what Aaron is grown up with forever this is the norm and that sucks that's that's shitty dj talked about when they went to tanya's house brian says it's not the wrong it's not the bad side of town in the first one the book had said that it was the wrong side of town not a bad side of town Brian says, not not bad side, because that's where he lived. Unless he's a bad person and he doesn't know it. and that he's... Oh, is that like when people are like, oh, this one is, <laughs> this makes you the asshole of your friends group. And if nobody is that person, it's you. It's you. You didn't know you lived on the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, sorry, you didn't Brian. Know any better. We, sorry. We took a poll. It is the bad side. <laughs> you are one of the bad people. We're just letting you know. Just kidding. Move on. Just, yep. Just deal with it, okay? I know you've sold that house since, but... Hopefully you went to the right side of of town. Dennis and all of the adults would drink and party. He talked about how Tanya and her mom uh, welcomed any there, anybody there. Most had an extensive criminal record. Sometimes Dennis stayed there all night long. Terry would take the kids home. And as you can imagine, Aaron was exposed to bad influences and met bad people while they were there. I think Aaron learned how to be who he needed to be depending on who he was around from Dennis because that's the kind of person Dennis was. So he was the member of the community and a football coach and and there for people around one crowd but partying and doing drugs around another. So it was like he's supportive. Let me help you. Let me get your boy into football. Let's do this. You know, supportive Dennis that's the janitor all this shit on one side. Then on the other side, no. He's doing drugs and shit. And that is, that's a double life that Aaron would grow up to mimic. He would, you know, act the same way. Dennis would go on drug benders when the boys were little. He even missed Aaron's birth because he was off doing drugs. He was supposed to be home with DJ, but what he did was leave DJ with a babysitter while Terry was in the hospital having Aaron. DJ gave more insight to Aaron's head injuries. One time they were ice skating when I can't remember what 
the thing about that book is the timelines and the dates and all of that were, were very left out. It was just stories. It was basically just him telling stories without, you know, a full timeline. So some of it's a little up in the air for me. But they were ice skating. Aaron was racing somebody, and during the race, he realized he didn't know he or didn't he realized he didn't know how to turn. So, as we all know, when you can't turn in ice skating, you're gonna smash into the boards at full speed, which I'm sure anyone who has been skating has done that a time or two at least smashed into the boards. It clearly knocked him down, knocked him out, knocked out his two adult front teeth. That's a rough go. And knocked him silly. So I was looking at a book or a picture of something. I was like, what is wrong with those teeth in the front? They look weird. They look like they're computer generated. Well, that's because they're fake teeth. <laughs> they're just like... Well, that's a cuz. Yeah. And later on, I told Calvin when they when they told that story, I looked at Calvin. And I was like, that's why his teeth look so weird. Because we were talking about it one day. I was like, why are his teeth like that? I don't like it. It's like <laughs> they, they did weird things on this picture. You know what? Teeth have come a long, long way since the the 90s you know they really have and that's also what threw me off is that they were so different he was he was rich he could have got him i don't know I don't maybe know. it didn't bother him maybe it didn't maybe you need to be such uh stop being such a judgmental tooth whore well it's because i'm missing one and so i look at people's teeth all the time and so dude uh, my teeth i, I look like a florida meth head Oh, I'm getting there. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Another time, he was hit on top of the head with a hammer and it knocked him out. He was hitting something with the hammer and it flew back. Like, I guess he lost his grip. It flew back, hit him on top of the head and made him go like night, night immediately. <laughs> like, uh, you're done. <laughs> Goodbye. So there's... Sorry, you like, it made him go night, night. night and all night. I can think of is Kevin Hart. You want to go night, night? <laughs> Sorry, I can't. You're, you're good. I can't be trusted. Can't be. Along with the blows to the head off the field, like those two we just talked to, and I'm sure there were more, he started playing tackle football when he was seven. DJ talked about two concussions that he didn't go to the doctor for, and so Lord knows how many there were that he didn't ever get checked out. It was like, well, it's part of football. You got a concussion, and this is going to come into play later. As most of you know, there's brain damage there's a little brain damage brain disease to be more exact drain bramage Jane bramage dj talked about times that they would play madden 95 on their sega genesis <laughs> <laughs> calvin was like are you serious <laughs> sega just madden 95 so we had to look up when that came out i was like well it had to be eight you know 80s 90s is when they were playing late 80s early was, 90s is when we had ours yeah 95 because it's usually the year it, like <clears throat> right now right. we're on madden 20 it came out in 20 so i looked it up just to make sure so yes it was 95 but he would be laughing and having fun, and then all of a sudden he would get angry and start beating the shit out of DJ, physically beating the shit out of him. Aaron would snap, too, because it was like somebody else took over, and then when he, as he was beating him up, he would snap, too, and tell DJ that he blacks out during those times, has no memory of what happened. Like, half the time he doesn't even know that he's doing it. So he's starting this at a young age, 95. He was born in, what, 80? I can't remember, 87. So he's young. He's five, er, he's seven-ish, seven, Mish. eight. Yeah. Mish. When Aaron was in seventh grade, he started hanging out with a kid named Dennis, Sansusi. Mm -hmm. Dennis's dad was fresh out of the Marine Corps. Not talking shit, but, you know, she married once fresh out of the Marine Corps, so it can be hard. They are hard asses. That, yes. What, they're hard asses 
regardless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be a little de- can't they can be a little difficult and aggressive. Mm-hmm. He was a corrections officer and a football coach. Aaron and Dennis kind of bonded off of off having the hard ass dads, mm-hmm. right? They had a little something in common with the the parenting. Dennis said the first time they hung out, they smoked a bunch of weed together. He mentioned how when Aaron was with him, he was one way, and then when he was with his dad, he was a completely different way. This became a pattern with Aaron. He was never really himself, and I don't think he took the time to really figure out who the fuck he was. Mm-mm. He was too busy being who somebody else needed him to be, or he was being like that chameleon. I need to be this person when I'm with this person. Mm-hmm. Now, I am really good at being that chameleon, or I was. And now I really just tone down the language when I'm around certain people. I know how to be professional when I'm put, and put together when I'm at work. I know when to not curse, you know, when I'm with my grandma or whatever. But, but it's still you. It's not. Oh, absolutely. It's just massive. The change was massive. Right. Aaron and Dennis aren't just smoking weed buddies, though. They were obviously friends and teammates. But when nobody was around, they also had sex. Dennis said that they were always paranoid that somebody was going to find out, but they kept doing it anyway. He also stated that looking back on things, they were in a relationship, but at the time, they just considered it like friends with benefits. They were fuck buddies, right? Mm -hmm. It was just, it was mentioned that Aaron had sexual relationships with other men too, not just Dennis. He even went uh, so far as to say that they were, um, wait for it. Uh Uh-huh. They were against gay people. Yes. So did you guys just not make eye contact or did you quickly say no homo or did you like go and wash your privates really quick or did you dress up like cowboys afterwards and like beat cows to feel manly? I'm just curious. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because they would, he was, this is on the Netflix special if anybody saw it. Um, He was talking about how they were, they would make fun of people for being fag, like quote, sorry, quote, I'm not using that word. They were like, you're a fag, you know, you're gay, you're, you're a homo. Would make fun of those people, yet turn around when nobody was there and they were banging each other. But in their minds, they weren't gay because they weren't in a relationship. I don't know. I guess that's what uh, I gather out of it. You know what? And anal sex is the sex that God can't see because your poop hole's a loophole. You yes. know what I mean? So, ladies, if you are looking for the sex that doesn't count, it's the sex in your butt. Take it in the ass. Well, and the thing about Dennis, this friend Dennis, he's openly gay now. Right. So. Which is okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, their fathers were both completely homophobic, so being gay just wasn't an option for them. Mm-hmm. He said that if somebody would have told Dennis that they were gay, he would have told them that he was going to slap the gay out of him. When Aaron was little, he wanted to be a cheerleader, but Dennis shut that shit right down because... This was right around the time that he was telling Aaron, stop standing like a faggot. And this was, sorry, we switched gears to diff, to dad Dennis. There's too many Dennises. There, right. We ran out of names. Yeah. So we're, yeah. You know what I think is this funny? Is, is that the person that imposed their will on Aaron and was like, quit standing like a faggot. Quit being gay. You know, you're not going to be, no son of mine's going to be a cheerleader. And then he turned around and fucked a dude named Dennis. Right. The irony was, in that yeah, is deep for it me. It really is. Well. Your name's Dennis. Do you want my dick in your ass? Sweet. Perhaps you should put yours in mine. I don't know yet. Let's see how it feels. Yeah. Just the tip. Mm-hmm. Just to see how it feels. Cup the balls. <laughs> <laughs> 
Around the same time, he started dating Cheyenne Jenkins. Now, they would end up being on and off until he got drafted. Aaron and Cheyenne? Yeah. Cheyenne? Cheyenne. Cheyenne. We're not together while he was in Florida, but they still talked very often. Some people referred to Cheyenne as Cheyenne, as Aaron's beard. That is basically the girl that the guy uses as the cover-up so that he doesn't get questions about why he's not dating. Yeah. Well, uh, again, going back to the Netflix special, there's another guy. I didn't put him in here. Um, he's now an openly gay man that played for the NFL. Right. And he's talking about how horrifying the locker room was, knowing that he was gay, afraid that people were going to find out. He made himself so fat and so unattractive that nobody would ask him why he didn't have a girlfriend. They would just chalk it up to him being fat and unattractive. That's where, what kind of hell he was living Aww. in, being a gay man in the NFL locker room. Well, locker to, like, dude, locker room talk is really brutal. Oh, fuck. Let's be honest. And it goes both ways. I'm not talking about just a men's locker room. You should hear the fucking foul shit. Women, sh- yeah. the, the foul shit women say when they're together... And nobody's around. Mm-hmm. Because well, if you think the old, like, sexism goes both ways, bitches. Both ways. And men are just mean to each other. I th- So I are women. Women women are hidey, hidey whores about being mean to each other. Like, I see that bitch over there. Oh, well, Boys that's fair. Like, they're... Your fucking nuts look stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they say. Well, no, and I get that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? But... Like, well, there are some women that are openly cruel, dude. They're like the Regina George of the world. And they're just like, you know, stop talking. You're being very stupid right now. What you said was stupid. Go fix your hair. I would rather have that than have them whisper. At least I know what they what they think. And... That's why I don't have friends. I have like nine friends total. But this was a lesson for Angel, okay? I had several gay friends growing up, right? Mm-hmm. There were some of my friends that were very, very close with me that later came out as lesbians, whatever. Um, And I was like, oh, my God, dude, we had sleepovers. You, like, saw me naked. And because that, for me, was, I was like, oh, my God, you looked at me naked. And they're like, so what? So what? Just because you're a girl doesn't mean I find you attractive. And then I was offended that they didn't find me attractive. Like, wait a minute. You like girls, but I'm not pretty enough for you. What's wrong with me? What? Do I, what why? What the shit? You saw me naked. What's wrong? So it's one of those things. She came over here and farted and walked away. My dog Aww. is a fucking crop dusting whore. <laughs> you little dirtbag. So I fully understand where people don't want you to find out that they're gay. And I don't know. I think it, I think a lot of it is um, the way that I was raised and the people that had an influence on me up until... I was, you know, in my teenage years that you naturally, oh, they're gay. They're going to snatch my daughter and make her. They're going to wipe the gay on her and make her a thespian. They're going to make her one of them. <laughs> well, Calvin was telling me that that conversation kind of went on in their locker room. They're 12. Like the oldest kids that are on his team are 12. And, well, there might be a couple of 13-year-olds, but I guess, I don't know who asked what, how it all went, but I guess somebody was like, what if somebody was gay in our locker room? So what if they and were? And I said, that's what I said. I'm like, so what if they were? And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, that would be weird. I'm like, why? Why? 
And he's like, well, they'd be looking at you. I was like, just because they're gay, do you think that they automatically want to see your dick or automatically want to be with you? Because they don't. Be, yeah, that so would, don't be so conceited. And, and that's right. And he was like. You self-important motherfucker. He was like, what the shit? And I was like, and next time that comes up, I want you to say that just in case. Because could you imagine being the gay kid that has to hide and is afraid of those comments that those right? other kids are making? That would be the equivalent of me saying that every man I looked at because they are a man and I am heterosexual and they have a diok. I am therefore attracted and want to mouth bang all of them. Every yeah. single one of them. Yeah, that's, Untrue. that's kind of how our conversation went. I was like, every man, I could be stuck in a room with a whole bunch of men and they could all get naked and I wouldn't care probably about most of them. And you know, it's the same fucking Same thing. concept. I, well, like, <laughs> I, I left mean, out the part where they, they might be scoping you out to see if they want to be interested, but, but they're not. I was just kidding. <laughs> right? Well, and that's, but that's the, that's the truth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, DJ said that Aaron dated a girl named Alyssa in college. I'm not sure how long they dated. She mentioned one time that he used her computer, and when she went to go use it, the browser history history was deleted. And she was like, "Mm, I know how to undo this, so she undone it, and there was gay porn on there. Outstanding. Yeah, she asked him why he was looking at gay porn, and he said that a buddy sent it to him as a joke, and so when he opened it, it was there, and then he was like, I don't want her to think that I'm looking at gay porn so i um so i deleted all the browser history she also found dirty text messages on his phone with another guy and when she asked him about it he just brushed her off and put a passcode on his phone he's like uh if you don't see it it's not there you didn't see shit passcode he often told Alyssa that he wanted to start a family he told her he would leave college for her She wasn't ready for that, and she wasn't going to let him give up what he had going on in the football world to start a family. So she was like, no. No, we're good. So I wanted to talk about all of that before we got too much further in the story, because I feel like it added a lot more into what we have already told. Many people believe that Aaron's sexuality was motive for murder. I'm still on the fence. I'm going to talk a lot more about it later when we get to it. I'm not, I just am not convinced that it was sexuality. I still think there was so much more going on with him that that just wasn't enough motive for murder. In DJ's book, he didn't mention the affair between his mom and Jeff happening while his dad was alive, though. He said that there were rumors of it, but the whole thing about Tanya slapping Terry at a Yukon game was bad information. DJ said Tanya confronted Terry at a youth football game after Dennis died. Mm. So UConn's not quite as fun youth football. I'm down to watch that. If I'm at my kid's football game and somebody's slapping somebody else, I'm going to watch. Or hockey or tumbling. Yeah, I'm going to watch. I was almost that woman at the hockey game last week. I got in this big man's face and was yelling at him. That's what he gets for being a cop. Don't talk shit about my kid. Sorry, son. Sorry, sir. You can talk shit about me all you want. Don't talk shit about my kid. According to DJ, Aaron and Jeff had become very close after Dennis died. Since he considered Tanya a mother, Jeff would have been like a father figure. Now, all American Murder said that Aaron said he was going on vacation when he went to Florida. That is not true. He told DJ he was going to Florida. He had told his family he took Jeff and his mom with him to Florida. 
DJ told him not to make a decision there. DJ was like, do not. Because DJ was like a coach. I think at the time he was a coach at Brown University. And he's been a college coach at a bunch of different colleges over time. Yeah, he was like, don't make a decision there. We'll talk about it when you get home, blah, blah, blah. And, and we all know how that went down. There was a video posted on their thing like, I'm going to Florida. Hey! Way to keep your cool, Aaron. Way to keep your cool. DJ said his mom and Jeff started getting close at that time during that trip to Florida. And then the rumors went around about Jeff and Terry. And that's when Tanya started getting pissed. Tanya, Tanya, I don't know how to say her name. Aaron lost all of his respect for for Jeff at this time. That's so that's a that's a weird addition to that backstory because they make it seem like he just hated him because he came in and banged his mom and all this shit, but now it's like he was a father figure. He took over that spot when his mom died or not his mom. His mom's still alive when his dad died. One more thing I found interesting in DJ's book was a story about how Aaron had a fake accent. <laughs> DJ said he went, he went to visit once, and while Aaron, and Aaron was talking in such a deep southern accent that he stopped and stared at him for a moment, a moment before saying something like, Motherfucker, you're from Connecticut. <laughs> you are not from Florida. Stop with the shit. Like, why in the fuck are you talking like that? And this is just yet another example of how Aaron was trying to be who he needed to be when he was around, whomever mm-hmm. he was around. I would like to say this. My accent, my twang, gets worse when I go home. Right. My my people down south. Um, and then I bring it home. In case you didn't notice, I probably talk like an idiot for not saying that people from the south are an idiot. I am. But I can't <laughs> carry that twang for several days. Like, you start to mimic the people that you're around. But yeah. when you're from Connecticut and you've been in Florida for a brief moment... In time. And what you what have you been doing with your life, man? Damn. And, you, and they're motherfucker, you are <laughs> in Connecticut. If it's bad enough that your own brother, like, there's a lot of people, like, my, my brother lived in Texas for quite some time, and he lived in Florida as well. And so he should, if, if that was going to happen in the time that he was there, he should have maybe picked up the accent, right? He did not because he was born and raised in Vernal, Utah. So he talks like we do. And when you're born in Connecticut, Connecticut. and you say shit like Worcester, (laughs) Worcester, 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 I read it and I forgot. I, yeah, it was too long ago that I read the like spelled out one. So I'm just going to continue to murder it a little bit. This is a true crime podcast that does not have to be specific to where the murder is. (laughs) Mine is words. But, yes. Now that we have discussed that, we can talk about Pro Day. Also, uh, we found out from DJ's book that Aaron was high as fuck at the Combine. He told DJ that the reason he was able to bench so much through his injury is because he got so high. That uh, chronic back injury. Yeah, there's little pieces about it, but I haven't found a lot. He had an issue with his back, but I, I can't find the full fucking story about it. Back out humping Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one time, he was like, "Let's play bull riding. You be on the bottom." Oh, Jesus. And right, and Aaron so. was like, "All right, let's go." And he threw his back out. <clears throat> Pro day. 
Pro Day happens in between the Combine and the Draft. This is when the NFL comes to the school to do more research on the players. For the Gators, this took place on March 17, 2010. I know exactly where I was that day. I did too. It's St. Aaron did well. His times for the 40-yard dash were 4.56 and 4.61. I called it the 400-yard in the first one. I was like, if you haven't been to the combine, blah, 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 they do the 400-yard. Yeah, I was totally... Uh, 400 yards is... A long, That's long. a one way around the track. This is just 40 yards. Uh, <laughs> it's like a real 400 quick... yards <laughs> for football fields. Yeah, because that's once around the... the. Tr you know what I mean. Read my mind. It's once around the track. It's a quarter of a mile is the 400, right? I don't know. Let's murder this, too. I no. Don't lump me words. in with you on this. I... You're part of this. You're no. Angel and Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> yourself were you I fucking do. wee 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 you got a fucking mouse in your pocket lenny i didn't kill him no, george i was i found him like this i was just petting him they're fake pockets these are pants you bought me they're fake pockets oh, so i God. can't have a mouse in it well the 40 the 40 yard his speed drills and his bench press were in, were very impressive but the teams looking at him still had questions mm -hmm. i have questions Qu i got excuse me i have questions Aaron really wanted to play for the New England Patriots. He decided to have his agent help him write a letter to convince them that he was a good guy and that they should draft him. Well, in our opinion, it was a complete manipulation, and I will tell you why after I read the letter. Some of it is paraphrased, but the long and short of it is, I'm writing into regards... I'm writing in regards to some of the feedback I'm receiving from my agents, Florida coaches, and other personnel. These sources have indicated that the NFL teams have questioned my alleged alleged use of <laughs> my alleged use of marijuana. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. Alleged. That's from all those drug tests. Now it's allegedly the alleged. So he went on to tell them that he would consent to biweekly drug tests throughout his entire rookie season. He promised to reimburse the team a prorated amount for any failed test. Then he said at the end of his letter, I realized that this offer is somewhat unorthodox, but it is also the only way I could think of to let you know how serious I am about reaching my potential in the NFL. Mm. After. Let me tell you now why I think this is manipulation. If okay, anybody go. else didn't think this was manipulation, he knew that the NFL could only test him once a year. He knew that he would know about this test ahead of time. It makes me wonder how the fuck people fail. And yes, I'm looking at you, Von Miller. <laughs> he tried to swap out a urine sample and had to miss the first six games in 2013. Like, you have one fucking drug test. Quit smoking for a year. I like Von Miller a lot. I don't like the Broncos, but I like Von Miller. But I think he's stupid. You, you fucked up. Six games. Because you like the reefer. Aaron knew he could smoke weed every single day in the NFL if he wanted, as long as he passed that one test once a year that they already knew about in advance. But all he could do was sit back now and wait for a month till the draft and see if his little letter of manipulation worked. The draft was held on April 22nd. Aaron should have been a first round pick based on his skills, but... This clearly isn't all about skills. They drafted the best players because they want to win. If someone is constantly getting in trouble, getting suspended for their shady behavior, then clearly they're not going to be any good for their team. They're not, you know, they have to look at the big picture. Yes, he's good, but if he's, we're going to get him, he's going to help us out, and then he's going to be a total cock, 
and he's going to be suspended. He's not going to be any good to us. Heisman Trophy winner, Tim Tebow. We, okay, fun facts. We were talking about him in the last episode, and then right after that, he just got married. Married. I was looking him up. He Mm -hmm. now plays minor league baseball. Did you know that? I did not. I feel like I did know, but I didn't really know. But, yeah, minor league baseball now. So he went from a year or two in the NFL to minor league baseball. So you do you, Tim Tebow, and now you can do your wife because you're married. (laughs) Best day of my goddamn life. (laughs) He was the 25th pick in the first round going to the Denver Broncos. Marquise Pouncey that we talked about last episode, also a first round pick, number 18 going to the Steelers. But Aaron had to wait until the fourth and final day to be drafted, which is kind of a kick in the nuts for somebody that good. The Patriots had already drafted a badass, badass tight end, Rob Gronkowski, in the second round. He's 6'6", 268 pounds, so he's a little bit bigger than Aaron. Um, his, his hands, he has the biggest fucking hands I have ever seen in my life. Anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with anything here, but he does have big hands. But this had to worry Aaron because he's bigger, he's not in trouble, he's stronger. Another fun fact is Gronk retired before the 2019 season started at the age of 29. He said that his body just couldn't handle the beatings anymore. That's how hard they are on their body. 29 years old and you're retiring. He will always be the only thing I have ever liked about the Patriots and possibly Wes Welker. But let's, let's reel it in and go back to the draft. Aaron was the 113th pick going to the New England Patriots. The chances of getting drafted in the NFL are pretty slim, so she, so he should have been happy just being drafted. But he kind of took it as a slap in the face, like I am a first, I'm a first round pick, motherfuckers, and now you took me on fourth round. But the other slap in the face is that he also got the fourth round price tag, which is a big. Change. So I did a little bit of digging on all of this. So if you're unfamiliar with how all that works, the first round draft pick gets paid significantly more. They also get massive sign-on bonuses. Like this year, Kyler Murray, well, this year, last year, 2019, Kyler Murray was the first round draft pick. He got somewhere like $17.6 million over a four-year contract, so they pay it out. Like They have it all um, mapped out, how they pay it out over those four years, and then they can sign... A, a re-up the contracts thing. Anyway, <clears throat> he also got, Kyler Murray also got a $10.9 million sign-on bonus. So Aaron, being in the fourth round, got a $2.3 million contract over four years and the $200,000 sign-on bonus. That's a big fucking difference. Huge Big difference. Huge difference. Yeah, so in the first year, they get paid the league minimum of 480000 and then each year they play after that, their pay goes up. But still, to go from a college student to getting paid $480,000 your first year with a, you know, a 200000 sign-on bonus for him, that's, that's fucking big. So as Stephen A. Smith always says on ESPN... Stay off the weed. Stay off. It's He's like one of my most favorite ESPN commentators, and he always says that. It's hilarious. Stay off the weed. His shitty choices potentially cost him nearly $15 million, not to mention that sign-on bonus, because a few million, $10 million sign-on bonus 
compared to a $200,000 sign-on bonus was a big deal. But Tom Brady was like a sixth-round... Okay, moving gears. (laughs) Tom Brady was like a sixth-round draft pick and is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, even though I fucking hate his guts. So there's that. There's all those things in perspective. I could talk about all that shit forever, but we'll just I'll just let you move on. On June 8th, he was officially signed and got his jersey and a check for $200,000. And he's still so young. $200,000. He just barely entered his 20s. He's not making good choices, obviously. And when he <clears throat> he didn't make good choices when he didn't have money. Mm-hmm. So like now he's got $200,000. So Fuck off. Well, speaking of bad choices, on June 29th of 2010, Terry's new husband, Jeffrey, slashed her face with a kitchen knife. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey had a history of assaulting women and children, and on top of that, he'd been drinking. Um, if you are dating someone and they have a history of assaulting women and children, stop fucking dating him. It's not like they're going to change for you. I'm sorry. Prove me wrong. I'm like that guy with the mug out there. Prove me wrong right now. I I will I'm free to messages. I just don't think that if someone was like that before, why are they gonna change now? Like, I'm sorry. And maybe I'm being judgy. I don't know. I don't know. Ask questions. Ask questions to the people who you are dating. However, ex-boyfriend, Calvin's biological father, has domestic abuse charges and his ex-wife admitted to me personally that she did those on purpose he never touched her she called him in got him domestic abuse charges on purpose because she was mad at him so there's always that too yeah that's nice that's nice but he's like this jeffrey this jeffrey character he really does beat the women and the children and he's not going to change now just because he switched wives He's not going to switch personalities. Nope. It wasn't her. <laughs> it wasn't her egging him on. It was, well, when he was with her, this is how he was. But now he's with me, so it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to happen to me. Continue being delusional. Well, and I'm not I'm not trying to be a dirty victim shamer or anything, but dude, like for real, ask questions. Yeah, and that was, that was my point, too. I'm not trying to be a dick. A dick. A dick. I'm trying to say from experience, learn from my bad experience, if somebody has has certain things. Attributes. Maybe. Qualities. Maybe think about that before you get too really far qualities. into shit. It's, it is That's a quality. not really a quality. It's a bad quality. So Terry and Jeffrey are arguing. They were arguing when he shoved her to the floor. She gets up, went into the living room and sat down. When he went into the kitchen, came he came back with a nice slashy dashy butcher knife. Mm-hmm. He held the knife to her throat. He then started stabbing at a stand, uh, a stand up fan. Because who doesn't? <laughs> then he turned and started stabbing the chair. But wait. There's more. Mm-hmm. It was the chair that she was sitting in, and then he cut her face. Jeffrey started destroying everything in front of her while yelling, I don't care if I go back to prison. There's I don't even another, know if that's what they sound like. Probably not, but that's, that's what I envision. red flag. Right? Big I, red flag. I'll go back. I don't care. Well, they're from Connecticut, and I clearly can't do a Connecticut I don't even know what Connecticut, Connecticutians sound like. Like Dan. Uh, hey Dan, can you can we call you and have you do this accent? <laughs> we're we're gonna need you to do a few readings, or I can play my recorded conversation with 
with Brian, too. He's got it. Well, he was on probation for assault, but he had failed 19 drug tests that year and failed to complete court-ordered anger management. Terry was able to get to the neighbor's house and call 911. When the cops showed up, Jeffrey was in the backyard. They told him to put his hands up, but he just walked away. They yelled at him for they yelled at him to stop, and he did. <clears throat> then he says, I didn't do anything. Like, why are you running them, a fucker? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's a murdered fan, some violently stabbed furniture. Oh, and also, your lady over here, the one with the slash on her face, says you did. Mm-hmm. Well, you, that being said, this is where, this is what is, like, starting, <laughs> this is what is wearing on Aaron. He was also struggling at the Gillette Stadium. He was trying to watch some film and struggling with the machine. Wide receiver Wes Welker walked by and Aaron asked him for help. Wes said, figure it out, rookie. As you can imagine, this set Aaron off. And Aaron says, fuck you, Welker. I'll fuck you up. Yeah. Because that's exactly how you earn, like, that's how you win friends and earn respect. Mm -hmm. Let's take a moment now. Talk about the Patriots coach. Bill Belichick, a.k.a. Bill Cheat. In my opinion... The Patriots were the worst team Aaron could have gone to. Let me tell you why. He needed more of a straight and narrow kind of coach that would help keep him going. Not the coach that does shady shit himself and helps cover up any shady shit that Aaron's going to do, which is exactly what Bill Belichick was. And not to mention the owner, Robert Kraft, who I also think is a shady motherfucker. He just got in a big scandal about like, oh, fuck, what was it? Sex rings. He had like he had those massage parlors. Happy yeah. ending yeah, house. He owned them and the happy ending brought house. His friends there and shit and yeah. So they're all a bunch of shady characters. Yeah, I don't think that this is where he should have gone. Uh, not at all. In two thousand seven, the Patriots got the biggest fine in NFL history for ignoring the rule about where the cameras could be placed. They were filming the Jets signals during the Super Bowl. They called this Spygate. You may have heard about it. Also Deflategate later on against my team, who are the Colts. But that was after Aaron's days. And that's where they deflated the balls. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, motherfucker. Calvin, fun fact, calls them the Deflatriots, which I think is very <laughs> suiting. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yes. Um, but I could go on all day about that. But we'll talk about Aaron. I'll try to stick to just Aaron. He was now the youngest player that was active in the NFL. He was immature, arrogant, and fragile all at the same time. <clears throat> Nobody ever knew what to expect from him. Even Aaron didn't know what to expect from himself. Fragile. Yeah. He was like waking up. Who am I today? <laughs> What's going to happen Fuck you. today? I'll wipe my ass with your jersey right after I cry about it. And I'm going to tell people. And hopefully I don't get shit on my face from wiping your ass and then crying with it. I don't know. Fuck you, I'll suck your dick. Wait, what? what? <laughs> That's supposed to be a punishment for you. Oh my god. <laughs> I think I'm a lot funnier right now than I really am. But I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny, and that's all that matters. Let's go and add steroid use to the already emotional disaster that was Aaron Hernandez. Players are believed to get shots of Toradol in their asses very openly. It is not, it's against the rules in the NFL. But they all say that they would not, that without it, they wouldn't be able to play like they do and they wouldn't be able to handle the beating they take on the field every single week. 
the fact that they only get one drug test a year that they have to be cleaned for makes it uh, makes it so that they can do this. They can juice. Is that juicing when they get Toradol in their ass? I don't know. I don't Ask know Ask somebody else. I don't know either, but I'm, I'm going to call it that, okay? Okay. So Aaron's got brain damage from all of his brain damaging when he was a small child. He's got the CTE, which we will talk about a lot later. He smokes mountains of weed and he juices. How did this ever go wrong? I don't know. Right? Ian, Show me on the map where this, why this went bad. Yeah, tell me. I, let's try to dissect this and see what happened, what went wrong. Ian Rappaport was a reporter that was in the Patriots locker room a lot. He said Aaron was, quote, sweet and charming, but came and, oh, but with that came an emotional wreck. He cried when he made mistakes. If he was humiliated in the meeting room, he cried. He was basically a pregnant woman or a woman on her period. Like, you never knew if he was going to be able to take it okay or if he was going to cry. Ian would always hang out by Aaron's locker after games because he knew that Aaron was easily accessible. He said he wasn't a good interview, though, because he was always careful about what he said. However, one day, Aaron told Ian that he was his guy in the locker room. He said if he was going to talk to anyone, it would be Ian. And Ian said, cool, man, I respect you, too. And then Aaron says, but I just want to tell you, because I'm big on trust, if you ever fuck me over, I'll kill you. Like In my that. Florida accent, because we don't know how people Talk connect Acadians sound like. But w- do you think Ian was like, um, well, that took a strange turn. Right. Okay. Later on. That's like being friends with a, a fucking meth head. That's like, man, I'd do anything for you. I just want to let you know. But if you ever fuck with me, I'm going to break into your house and steal the copper out of your fucking plumbing. Mm-hmm. What? Excuse Jesus me? Christ. Well, I guess Ian told one of his other reporter friends. And then when Aaron got caught, his friend was like, um, I guess he was serious. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, fuck. How weird would you feel if this guy has just threatened has threatened to kill you, but you didn't really, you know? You're just, well, you're like, right, dude, ha Because you, I, I don't know if somebody was like, if you ever fuck me over, I'll kill you. Uh, well, if you ever fuck me over, I'm gonna kill you. Oh yeah, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Aaron's first season with the Patriots was good. His end zone dance became an internet meme. He made it rain. He did the. But there's later on it went to and I somebody had to actually explain it to me because I couldn't tell what the fuck he was doing by watching it. But he would pretend like he was opening the safe, pulling oh. out the money, and then make it rain. Okay, I I'm like I don't know. They ended up losing that Super Bowl to the Giants. Tom Brady threw a hail mary to him, but there were too many people covering him, and he didn't catch the pat catched the pass they lost by four points in the off season aaron was hanging out with his old friends but he got a new friend too alexander bradley they had met when aaron still lived in florida but they had started to hang out with him a lot after his rookie year alexander sold tons of weed he also had quite the rap sheet weed coke assault battery you know the basics right the huge yeah all american murder made him out to be like he was the peacemaker I'm soft-spoken peacemaker, right? Not convinced. I'm not. But we you can make up your own mind later. When they first started hanging out, Bradley would give him credit card he would give him credit. 
Give him credit card. Whoop! There you go, buddy. Touch your asshole. Smear a little shit up your back. Free weed. Hey! You just let me swipe you. Let me do it. Let me give you. I got credit. a bag right here. If you let me swipe you. Uh, whoop! Credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and then I smell it like this. <laughs> Jesus. All right. When they first started hanging out, Bradley would give him credit for all the all of his weed all of the time because he didn't have any money. He loaned him money, and his girlfriend would get mad at him for hanging out with Aaron over her. Well, Aaron and Bradley would go hang out, smoke weed, play play video games for hours. They saw each other like three or four times a week when Aaron moved back to the New England area. I could imagine being irritated as a girlfriend. Like, uh, well, you know, three to four times a week for several hours while they're getting fucked up and playing video, video games. games. I don't know, man. I don't know. That seems excessive. Mm-hmm. Perhaps we're just those girls, though. I, don't I know. guess so. Perhaps. Perhaps. Stuck up. They the went uh, Fucking uppity cunts. <laughs> they went on vacations, went gambling, went to clubs, and they did this often, right? They went together. When somebody has a rap sheet that includes things like battery and assault, I have a hard time thinking, you know, there's the peacemaker of the group. Yeah, I don't, I just don't buy it. DJ's book kind of hinted more towards him being like the shitty influence. Okay, they all went to Miami when DJ got married, okay? Yeesh. They went to Miami to go party. And I don't know if this was around this timeline, because like I said, DJ's book wasn't timeline friendly. But they went, and um, Aaron wanted to have these three friends come. And DJ was like, I don't really think so. And anyway, he, they ended up coming, and I, this was like the next day, they were all trying to go out or go to breakfast or something, and nobody could find Aaron. So... DJ ends up getting a key to Aaron's room, and he goes in, and Aaron's in bed naked with all these men, okay? All these friends that he had to bring with him. He's naked in bed with them. And DJ says, straight up, are you gay? And Aaron says, no. And if you ask me again, I'll fucking kill you. Okay. Well, it is like that some days. On Sunday nights, they would go to the Cure Lounge in Boston's Theater District, Aaron was always paranoid, thinking that people were, finger quote, testing him. Maybe the fact that he was an NFL player at a nightclub might have caused people to stare um, and be interested and be a looky-loo, but apparently he was too daft to recognize celebrity status. Look, you dumb motherfucker. You're a Hello, an NFL you player. simple son of a bitch. You're a fucking football player. He's good looking. He's <clears throat> tall. He's big. He's muscular. There's many reasons. You play for the fucking Patriots. Many reasons why people are going to fucking look at you. But Aaron acted like a tough guy no matter where they went. He would get pissed at things that most people wouldn't even like psh, at. It was constant drama. It was a babysitting job. For anybody that was with him. But it was also like, yeah, but for him, for Bradley... It's unpaid babysitting because he's fronting him weed and loaning him fucking money. I think by now he's getting all that back, though, because now he's getting VIP status in the club. Well, the, now, all right. All right. Come so on. I, I'm still not buying you the You with your fucking shit. facts and logic, but whatever. Shut up. So I think Bradley supplied him with all the weed and diffused situations if he did so in the clubs to get the perks of all the money that Aaron spent on him. He treated him to all kinds of shit, but it was said that Aaron smoked are you ready for this? Aaron smoked up to four ounces of weed a week. God damn. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking money. So if if I need to go follow someone around and diffuse situations for 
What? $4,000 a week? Probably more. I don't know weed prices, the going weed prices. That's just what I decided, that it was about a grand of an ounce. Aaron would spend days at a time doing drugs at Tanya's house. Bradley would drop him off there, go take his vehicles and service them, go shopping, do all those other tasks that Aaron asked him to do. So I think he was more—he was kind of like a personal assistant, and I'm sure he made plenty of money doing that. One of the club promoters for Cure Lounge named Jeff London noticed that Aaron was getting more and more aggressive when he came in and had a shorter fuse as time went by. Jeff said he hit people, slapped them, punched them, and all kinds of shit. And of course, he got away with all of it. People would just walk away after he hit them. And Bradley was always there to smooth talk and defuse the situation. In the summer of 2012, Aaron gave Bradley some money to buy him a 357 mag. I'm sure he didn't want a gun registered in his name. Because, as far as I know, it wasn't illegal for him to have a gun. He wasn't on any kind of probation or anything. So, why are there people buying our guns? Because you I don't, don't know. want it registered in your name. That's the only thing I can think of. <clears throat> Maybe I'm missing something here. But, in July of July 15th of 2012, Aaron went to Bradley's house and they had a few drinks. They decided they were going to go out. Aaron didn't have any clubbing clothes with him. So, he borrowed... A shirt and a hat from Bradley. Aaron and Bradley took the silver forerunner that Jack Fox Toyota had given Aaron as an endorsement car. Aaron popped the hood and put that 357 mag in the engine block and they drove to Boston and went to Cure. That sounds like a bad idea to me. I don't know. Uh, well. Whatever. In front of them, in line to get into the club were Daniel Diabreu. Safiro Furtado and three of their friends. Daniel was 29 and Safiro was 28 at the time. They were both born in Cape Verde but met in the U.S. They weren't friends there, but once they both moved to the U.S., that's when they met. And according to friends, neither of them even wanted to go out that night. But it was the only night they could go hang out with their friends, so they went. They paid their cover and went in while Aaron and Bradley skipped the line and went straight to the VIP lounge. It started off rocky for Aaron because when they got there, they had to take off their hats due to the no hats policy at the club. Aaron was already pissed off at that. He was like, what? I can't wear a fucking hat. I'm VIP. I can see it. I can see it all in my mind. But after giving the bouncer shit about it, he he goes forward to the bar. Well, the club promoter, Jeff London, saw them and asked Aaron if there was anything that he could do for him. Aaron looked at him and said, you're a fed snitch. Get the fuck away from me. Where the hell did that even come from? That escalated quickly. Right? It went from, why can't I wear a hat, to, you're a fucking snitch. Okay. Wait, what? Well... It obviously took Jeff by surprise, too, but they continued on. The bar was so crowded that night, and as we all know, getting a drink at a crowded bar is a joke. So, Aaron and Bradley would go on to order a shot and a mixed drink. Well, Daniel had also ordered a drink, and it was... And was holding it up high to make his way to the dance floor, and bumped into Aaron. The bump caused Aaron to spill his own drink on his shirt, and... Instantly pissed, right? You're a fed too. You're a fed snitch too. You know what? Motherfucking snitch, snitch, snitches and bitches. You're a snitch. You're a snitch. You're a snitch. Well, 
just so y'all know. Aaron turned around and eyeballed him. Apparently, Daniel didn't follow football, so he didn't know who the fuck Aaron Hernandez was. So when he turned around, Daniel just smiled at him. Well, the smile poked the bear just a little bit more. Bradley saw what was turning around and jumped in to defuse the situation. They left the club, and they'd only been there for like 10 minutes. Aaron started bitching about how he hated it when people tested him. (laughs) While they were outside, a promoter from the club named Caprice noticed him and invited him in. As they were getting their drinks... Aaron swore he saw Daniel and Zafiro walk in, even though they didn't because they didn't leave Cure till closing. Bradley didn't know that he actually, he didn't know that, like, he hadn't actually seen them, that Aaron hadn't actually spotted them, right? Mm -hmm. So he convinced Aaron to leave. They got back, they got back into the Forerunner and they drove around the corner to smoke some weed. Bradley says that they were outside waiting for the clubs to get out so that they could meet women. Finger quote, meet women. Mm. grow beards Mm. sorry i think that's funny (laughs) aaron spotted daniel and safiro leaving leaving cure at about 2 20 in the morning they walked to the parking garage to get into their silver bmw they circled around to the front of the club to pick up three more of their friends when aaron first saw them he yelled there they are him and bradley him and bradley jumped into the forerunner as aaron was yelling go 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 Mm-hmm. A few of the bouncers from another club were leaving around the same time, and they were also in a smaller, compact-looking silver car. The streets were pretty bare that that morning, and they said that Aaron and Bradley sped up next to them and slowed down, realizing that they'd had the wrong car. They sped up to the BMW, pulled up beside it. They ran the red light that was in front of them to get to the silver BMW, Bradley says that once they were next to the BMW, Aaron told him to roll down the window. He had a gun in his hand, yelled out at the car, Yo! And they didn't look over. (laughs) It probably sounded exactly like that. So he said it again. When they looked at him, Bradley and Aaron yelled, Oh, Bradley says Aaron yelled. This is a quote. What's up now, niggas? Oh, okay, whatever. And they're just like, what the fuck, man? I kind of like the way you did that just because you, like, beefed up (sighs) and you were, like, trying to be, like, thuggish. It didn't work. I make myself big and scary. (laughs) Well, Bradley remembers five or six shots being fired. The bouncers that were behind recall hearing the gunfire and looking behind them to see where it was coming from. And then they discovered that it came from the silver forerunner in front of them. Aaron and Bradley sped off. Turning the wrong way down a one-way street, Aaron took off his shirt and wiped down the gun. They didn't know where to go, so they went to Bradley's baby mama's house, Brooke Wilcox, in Hartford. They arrived there around 5 a.m. There's like a... I feel like there's a lot of lost time there, because at 2.19, it had had to have been shooting by 2.30. Yeah, but how far... how far is Hartford from... Boston. Boston. I thought it was only like an hour but maybe not maybe hartford's farther than um where they were an hour and 35 minutes so so we're still missing a little bit of time there Mm -hmm. back at the scene of the shooting the bouncers pulled up a little further and one of the passengers in the car ran out yelling at them for help when they got in the car there was broken glass and blood everywhere well when they got to the car there was broken glass and blood everywhere the driver and passenger had both been shot and were wearing their seatbelts. So the seatbelts were like holding them up. The driver, Daniel, was still breathing, but the passenger, Safiro, had been shot in the head and was dead. While they were at Brooke's house, back to them, 
Aaron asked if he could borrow her laptop and searched for shootings in Boston. At about 8 the next morning, so three hours later, Brooke woke back up and showered. When she got out of the shower, Tanya was there. Tanya, Tanya, I don't know how to say it, was there talking to Aaron. She said they were talking so intimately that she thought Tanya was his fiance. Tanya was still there when Brooke left for work, but when she came home, Bradley, Aaron, Tanya, and the forerunner were gone. What? <gasps> yeah. Two weeks after the shooting, which was around July 27th, which was, wasn't around, it wasn't actually. What did I say? No, it was, oh. I, I said, which was around. I'm like, no, no, it was July 27th. Aaron went to Gillette Stadium for training camp. There were reporters there that were all up Gronk's business because he had posed for some pictures with a porn star. Nothing. Nothing but his jersey. All right, all right, all right. Well, hey, hey, <laughs> hey. A reporter asked Aaron if his summer was as crazy as Gronk's. He said, well, it was more private, but still fun. Uh, drugs, murder, you know, the regular off-season shenanigans. And he acts like, no, I, had, I went to a couple oh, parties. Well, I, I, I went to a barbecue. I went to my uh, cousin's birthday. It was pretty decent, you know, just normal really shit. Really chill. Really mellow. Yeah, totally low-key. While he was talking about his calm off-season, his double murder investigation was still happening. The bouncers had given a description of the car and the men. They didn't have any leads or even a suspect. The thing about this double murder is that most people never even heard of it. People that were lived like a street away or two streets away, whatever, didn't even hear about it. Hmm. It was not very high, highly publicized because not a lot of people knew about it. Interesting. A few weeks after that, Aaron found out that his girlfriend, Cheyenne, Cheyenne Jenkins, was pregnant. That wasn't the only good news he would get. On August 27th, he signed a five-year, $40 million contract with a $12.5 million signing bonus. Yes, please. The first thing he did was donate $50,000 to Myra Craft's Giving Back Fund. That, you know... The guy's a piece of shit. But there, there's one of these days where he turned around and he was like, you know, I really appreciate this contract extension, blah, blah, blah. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to donate $50,000 to this Myrocraft Foundation. And he did. The first, that's the first thing he did. So, it, God, he's so hard to like. You're like, you're a douchebag, but thank you. Yeah. Well, well, so. Ah. Uh, Aaron wanted to do the best. He wanted to be the best. He practiced hard. He studied the film. He got massages done. I don't know if that necessarily makes you the best, but it certainly helps. I don't know helps. if it was a Robert Kraft kind of massage. <laughs> well, <clears throat> but he did everything that he needed to do to be the best. Unfortunately, like a lot of us, he had demons. His are a little bit more than ours, I hope. <laughs> I'm not putting anything past myself anymore. You have a double murder under your belt? Perhaps. I don't know about. Perhaps. Maybe. In October, Aaron proposed to Shayana, Shayana, Shayana at her baby shower. Their baby girl, Aviel Janelle Hernandez, was born on Aaron's 23rd birthday, November 6th. He took the day off practice to be there for her birth. The next day, he went back to practice and he was wearing his white game day jersey. And when he was asked why he was wearing his game day jersey, he said, game time, that's it. Okay. He said he had a baby and he was engaged and he couldn't be reckless Aaron anymore. 
That lasted for about 30 fucking seconds. It was a good so, solid 30 seconds. At the end of the day, when the sun went down... It was back to shitty Aaron. <laughs> Aaron and Shayana bought a 7,100 square foot home in North Attleboro, which was about 10 miles away from the Gillette Stadium. It was three stories, five bedrooms, six baths with a three-car garage and an in-ground pool. Movie theater. A movie theater. Theater. A movie theater, basement sauna, and an ice bath. The house was originally built for the Patriots defensive tackle, Ty Warren. It's so cute, too. It's in a lot of pictures. It's blue. Aaron had great plans to change, but he was still friends with Tanya, which, sweetheart, anything you're not changing, you're choosing. Right. I and thought if, of this when I saw that that you posted. I was like, mm-hmm. If you are not changing... You're choosing that. You're making a conscious effort to stay in whatever fucked off behavioral pattern that you are in. Exactly. Now, his woman, Shayana, on the other hand, was tight with her younger sister, Shania. Shania worked long hours and was putting herself through school school at Central Connecticut State University. She was majoring in criminology and wanted to become a lawyer. Good for her, because she can now represent all of her fucked-off family that does nothing but heinous shit. For real. I don't even know that all of her family's fucked off. That's just me being a prick and saying hateful shit. Well, that's... that's, There's so many... That's Shayana's side, so I don't know if Shayana's side is like Aaron's side, but if they are, then I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. Shania started hanging out with Shayana at her new house. She often brought her new boyfriend, Odin Lloyd. Strangely enough, o- Odin was born in St. Croix, which is the same town Daniel D'Abreu and Safiro Furtado, who were just shot, were born. Odin was also a badass football player, but didn't have enough money to go to college. He worked for Dorchester Lawn Fertilizer Company, and I hey, heard... Are, are you saying that right? No, I, yes, because I heard... Oh, no, it's not. Dorster. Yeah. Is, is, is it Dorster? Dorster. Dude, I really wouldn't be... I, I really would not be no, surprised. I mean, but apparently you don't want to go to, to Dorchester. Dorst, I'm trying to make it totally opposite of what it should be, and that's probably what it is. Doster. <laughs> Doorstep. Doorstep. He worked for a doorstep lawn fertilizing company. Lawn fertilizing. <laughs> One of those places where they can fertilize the lawn and it makes it grow. I just pulled a muscle in my back trying to cross my legs and laugh. Oh, they can fertilize Lord. things. Fuck off. He also played defense for a semi-pro team called the Boston Bandits. Odin and Aaron first met in August of 2012 when Aaron got Shania some skybox or got seats in the skybox for her birthday present. They hit it off really well when they first met. It could be the fact that Odin liked to Odin also liked to smoke lots of weed along with being a football player. They're like, "You like weed? You I play like football? weed? You play football? I play football. Did best we friends? Uh, cool like us. Cool like us. <laughs> Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go smoke weed in the garage? Yep. yep. <laughs> like uh, that's probably about as simple as it was, too. Aaron was still hanging out with Alexander Bradley, Bo Wallace, Curtis Ortiz, and T.L. Singleton. He was still smoking tons of weed and was paranoid as hell. 
He installed an extensive surveillance system with cameras all over the inside of his house, which, remember that he did that because that ends up fucking him in the end. And not the way he likes it. Oh. Yep. He thought he was being followed by the feds. He thought helicopters were following him all the time. He also thought that people could hear and record his conversations through iPhones. Because they can. <laughs> well, he thought all of them did that. Like, no matter what, if you got an iPhone, it's recording your conversation. They are. Hi. Just kidding. Bradley had an iPhone that Aaron hated. He even told him not to use it around him. His phone would end up coming between them. <laughs> iPhones always, always ruining friendships. Those iPhones. I'm, I don't know if you know this, but my iPhone will eventually come between us. On January 20th, 2013, the Patriots lost the AFC Championship to the Ravens. And that was the end of Aaron's third season with the NFL. The Ravens went on to win Super Bowl, and a few of the Ravens' players that year were Aaron's friends, Deontay Thompson and Pernell McPhee. <laughs> Pernell. Pernell. <laughs> they, uh, those friends, hosted a party in Miami and invited Aaron. Of course, he bought Bradley, brought Bradley, and Bradley didn't know any of these guys, so it was a little weird for him. He's like, you're going to bring me out with all these guys that I don't know, and I'm sure by then... He knew that Aaron did his little chameleon act where he was who he needed to be. So he's like, well, Aaron's totally going to dump me. It was like high school. You're going to get around your other friends and you're not going to want to talk to me anymore. But I could totally see. I can see that. I can see not, you know, being weird. There were five of Deontay's friends that were hanging out with them when they got to Miami. Apparently, Bradley was all worried about being around new people. He was all weirded out about this because a few weeks before, he was at Aaron and Shania, at Aaron's house, and Shania and Odin were there visiting. Odin didn't say hi to Bradley, and apparently that was super rude. So... Now he's all worried about other people because new people are weird. Like, I'm I'm a little confused about this whole part. But it could be real. I don't know. I, myself, find it refreshing when people walk by and don't say hi because that's just how I am. I'm like, yes, they didn't say hi. I'm going to look at them. Can I say hi with my eyes? Hello. Hello. You know I said hi. Back to Miami, or technically, Belle Glade for the most part, Oscar Hunt. Oscar Hernandez, no relation to Aaron, was one of the men. He was a super fan of NFL players. Deontay may or may not have taken advantage of this. He would ask Oscar to borrow a gun for protection and Oscar would give it to him. This trip ended up being days of partying. Dude, let me just tell you what I know about um, all of my Hispanic friends. When they party, it's about 72 hours of fucking liver abuse. And, and that's dancing, just the pregame, and food, <laughs> more fucking food than I've ever eaten in all of my days. I'm just saying, with the last name like Hernandez, just expect there is no sleep, only booze. Mm-hmm. Well, and the weed, and some weed. This trip ended up being days of partying. They went to a Miami strip club called Tootsie's on February 11th and 12th. Aaron was paranoid, saying that some of the customers were undercover cops and shit. So we're back to the, you a fed snitch, bitch. <laughs> he told Bradley that they were following him around and allegedly... 
Bradley made his paranoia worse by saying, if they are, it's because of the stupid shit you did in Boston. The second night that they were there, they were in the VIP lounge. Bradley asked the waitress for a cell phone charger. She never brought it, but I guess he set up the, or he set the phone down on the table because it had died. Aaron had received their tab for something like 10 grand and he wanted Bradley to split it with him. Bradley was like, uh, fuck no, dude. These are your friends, not mine. I'm not pulling out five grand on people I don't know. Which, by the by, if one of my friends had just pulled a $40 million contract with a 12.5 signing bonus, I'd have told him to suck my dick too. I would have too. I'd have been like, look, bitch, that's like five cents to you. Like, I, you want me to cut a tab for 10 grand? No fucking way. For these fuck sticks that I don't even know. Absolutely not. Dude, even if, even if I did know the people in the bar, that's, that's pretty massive. Like, if I had, if I had just won the lottery and I won, like, close to $100 million and we went out to celebrate and all of my friends from all over the place showed up and we ran a $20,000 bar tab, do you think I would turn to you and go, I'm going to need 10 G's? No. Why don't you pick up the tip? Well, and they're t- he's turning to the only non-NFL player and like... What the fuck makes you, you think that half? the average Joe can even like... Dude, let's look at it this way. On a $10,000 tab, like a tip for a $10,000 tab is oh, two God. grand. I don't even have two grand to spend on things like new tires for my truck right now. That would be a few sets of new tires. And that's just their tip. I want to be their waitress. Right. You'd have to. I'm sorry, but we're not pretty enough for that. Uh Uh-uh. I got too much fucking fupa. Sorry, sweetie. We are old and wrinkly and fucking greasy. We're pretty enough. We're old. Okay, I'll give you that. We and we got hangy skin. I we we just I don't know, man. I don't know. That you got to be a fly motherfucker to be serving those kinds of guys Mm because they don't want to look at dumpy ass hoes. Sorry, Mm-mm. but that's some real shit. Like I'll make you laugh. Sometime, yeah, right. I'll <laughs> say some. So I'll say some clever you're ass shit. Be fat, you got to be funny. <laughs> I'm just saying. I learned that a long time ago. But <laughs> what the like? I have seen the type of girls that work in those establishments. On a good day, I'm like a strong six. In those places, next to those girls, I'm a two. Mm-hmm. I'm a two. They a ten. One point five. Still got wood. <laughs> <laughs> still, still gonna fuck it. Anyway, so he looks at Homeboy and he's like, hey man, split this with me. Mm-mm. Homeboy's like, get fucked and not in the way you want to. Mm-mm. So they argued a little bit about this and then Aaron paid the bill. They all pile into an SUV and they bail. Aaron was in the front passenger seat. Bradley was in the back. Now listen, this information that I just shared with you on the coordination of the people seating in the SUV, it really is important. So, soak on it. Okay. Yes. A few... A few blocks down the road, Bradley, Bradley realized that he had left his phone on the table, and he asked if they could go back and get it. Aaron said no, and the other guys had agreed. Aaron said that he would buy him a new phone. Bradley said that he wanted his phone because he had pics of, a ki- of his kid on it. He was obviously pissed, and Aaron let him know all about it. But I guess he wasn't that mad because he fell asleep soon. He woke up when the car stopped moving. He woke up. Can you imagine me? I'm just giving my fucking phone. I want my phone. Oh. I, I don't know. Maybe he was that wore out or he was that, like, drunk or high. I don't know. 
Because I, we all know how easily I have fallen asleep under the influence of alcohol. I fell down your you stairs. You really could, because that's what it made me think of, is that one time where you went to get jammies or some shit. It was the night that I brought Spencer home on my birthday. Yeah, and all the, like, we couldn't find, like, nobody waiting seen me. for you. And then we hear you snoring. I was like, how the fuck is she already snoring your ass down, face, like, face down? So, ass up. Face down, ass up. Right by the stairs, snoring. And it had only been 10 minutes. If that. Yeah, yeah, if that. And then, so we're talking shit about you, and then you wake up, fuck you! <laughs> Stop talking shit about me! <laughs> Is that her? <laughs> yes! Is she talking to us now? I'm so confused. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, the car stops moving, and he wakes up with a gun pointed in his face. All American Murder said it was Aaron that was holding the gun. He pulled his hands up to cover his face when the shot was fired. The shot blew off one of his fingers, exploded his right eye, and got the bridge of his nose. One of the guys sitting by him in the car pushed him out, and they sped off. It was 6.30 in the morning. Hmm. So, notice how it wasn't... They still don't know who the fuck had the gun. Like, nobody has a clear answer of who had the who gun. Who shot him in the fucking face? Yeah. Yep. About that same time, Kevin Riddle was getting ready to open up his John Deere landscape slot. He heard what he thought sounded like a gunshot, but he was like, maybe it was just a backfire on a car. I don't know. So he said he, oh, he had just sent his truck driver, Mingle Blake, to unlock the back gate. When he heard the shot, he was worried for Mingle and ran out to see what had happened. Because he was like, oh shit, did he get shot while he was opening the gate? Fuck. Somebody robbing my John Deere yeah. landscaping lot? <laughs> but Mingle had heard the same shot and and they went to investigate. Mingle came back a few minutes later, completely out of breath, saying he found a body. There they saw Bradley curled up in the fetal position. His hands and face were covered in blood and both of his eyes were slow, swollen shut. Bradley told them to call 911 because he was afraid he was going to bleed out. They asked him if he knew who shot him, and he said no, and that he didn't want to talk because it hurt too much. What? It hurts to get shot in the face? What? I don't think so. Nah, you're a big sissy. It barely got the bridge in your nose. Barely. It's God, just... it skimmed your finger. You might lose in half, eye, but, but whatever. Yeah. God yeah. saw fit to grace you with spares. <laughs> you got to. My God, it... Jesus Christ, you greedy some bitch. You got two eyes and ten fingers. You still have nine them some bitches. Spartan up. Fuck. Quit bitching. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the police were there very quickly. They also asked him if he knew they also asked him if he knew who shot him. And he ended up saying it was two black men. When in doubt, it's two black men. It's well, a when when man. in doubt, black it out. Yep. It's black That's people. The way to they go. did it. Um, I, that's racist. Well, he was a black man himself, so was is that still is racist? Is it still racist? I don't know. Oh. Then he said he had no more information. The cop asked if he didn't know or if he didn't want to tell them or didn't want them to investigate. He pretty much just said that he didn't have any info and that they could do what they had to do. Mingo Blake told the police that he had seen a dark green SUV like a Ford Explorer or Expedition around the area at the time. The cops tried to check for check surveillance of the area and found they didn't find anything. A little later that morning, Aaron called Bradley's baby mama, Brooke, and asked her if she had seen him. He told her that they were in Miami together and that they were supposed to meet at the airport, but Bradley wasn't there. 
I don't oh, know. I just don't know where he went. I mean, I, last time I saw him, I shot him in the face, but I figured he'd be here in time. <laughs> I barely got his finger in his eye. <laughs> Fuck. I figured he'd be here, Jesus. <laughs> well, Brooke got immediately worried and called the police, who told her to file a missing persons claim. Through all of this, her and Aaron kept asking each other, like, through text, have you heard from him? Have you heard from him? I don't know. On Valentine's Day, which was a couple days later, Detective Kenny Smith from the Palm Beach Sheriff's Department went to the hospital to interview Bradley. He was recovering from surgery but was cooperative. Detective Smith asked him where he was the night before. He told him that he was from Connecticut and he didn't know where he was that where he was last night because he didn't know the area. The detective then said, So, what can you give me to try to find the people that did this to you? I mean, it's up to you. You're a big boy. If you won't. Mm. Well, he was interrupted by Bradley saying, He's a fucking asshole. Whoever did this to me. The detective says, Well, obviously, you've got a big enough hole in your head. Yeah, I fucking do, Bradley replied. I'm sorry. He's a fucking asshole. Right. Fucking, whoever did this to me is a fucking asshole. Okay. Uh, we're not disagreeing with you. Well, we but know what that we, much. Right? <laughs> but who was the fucking asshole? The detective kept trying to give get Bradley to give him any information, and Bradley basically stuck with saying he doesn't know. The, de- the detective came back and told him that he didn't have to cooperate. If you're not saying you're a victim, there's no crime. So he's basically not saying he's a victim. For all they knew, he could have done it himself. You know what I'm saying? They're, that he shot his own fucking hand yeah. off? They're trying to While say... While trying to shoot himself yeah. in the face? They're trying to say, if you're not going to say that no. you're an actual victim, then there's well, no crime. The detective gave him his card and left. And this is where Bradley decides to call Aaron from the hospital phone. So Aaron answers, and he's like, who is this? Bradley said, you know who this is. It's me, your boy. Aaron hung up the phone. Bradley called a few more times, and one time he said, I didn't tell the police on you. You know what time it is when I get back. Aaron hung up on him again. What time does your flight leave? Just kidding. (laughs) You know what time it is when I get back. No, I don't, because I don't know what flight you're on. You haven't even booked a plane. (laughs) No, sweetie. I need you to act like you're a fucking criminal thug. No, I'm being stupid, Aaron, okay? Oh, and here I thought you were just being seen. Pull. I was. I was being stupid, Aaron. He's a chameleon. Now he's stupid, Aaron. You know what time it is? No, I don't. It's time to get fucking wrecked, son. Well. It's time to get some more weed because I had to find a new dealer and he sucks. (laughs) So bring weed with you. Now, I don't know how Bradley got his phone back, but this makes me think that there's some misinformation about this because Bradley then sent him a text and it said, I really do love you, my boy, but you won't get away with that. A week later, Aaron went to the Combine in Indianapolis. It's not normal for players to go to the Combine, to go to the Combine, so it's a little weird that he was there. Because normally, like, once you're already in the NFL, like... Right, you, you've you already been re-signed. Yeah, you don't need to go. You're While good. He, right. While he was there, he asked Belichick to trade him. He told him it wasn't safe in New England anymore. Belichick said no. He offered to help him with security in Boston instead. He had a shoulder um he had a shoulder injury so he decided to go to California to rehabilitate it. He said maybe he could bond with Tom Brady who was spending the off season with his wife Giselle Bunchen. I don't know, she's stupid. That's like rude. Her. Why? 
Because she was throwing a fit. Because she was being a bitch when they beat the Patriots. Not the Patriots. The Colts during Deflate Gate. And I oh. will forever hold a grudge against her. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Now I hate her, too. Fuck you, Giselle. You're a whore. You, you whore? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking husband's a cheater, cheater pants and he ain't that good looking, neither. He really isn't. He's not my type, but whatever. Not at all. Be, the he clothes he wears... I'm like, I, there, there's damn. nothing about Tom Brady that I find to be attractive, but no. I also like my men to look like men. Same. Yep. Just, and I mean that in, and I'm not taking a dig at anybody. I like facial hair. I like men with chest hair. I like men that can swing a fucking axe and like decapitate their men that don't want flowers for Valentine's Day. <laughs> men that don't cuff their skinny jeans <laughs> with their boat shoes. There's somebody looking at himself right now, like, I'm all those things. These Which girls are assholes. These you women. Can be, you can be all those things. Just not if you want to date one of us. And Angel's already married, so she doesn't date. And you don't want to date me anyway. I'm, I'm a handful of you, baggage. <laughs> you don't want to date me. Trust me, I'm a disgusting motherfucker. And I'm very disappointing. Robert Kraft, the owner of the team, says that this conversation about a true... That this conversation about a trade and security never took place. Aaron's agent thought he just wanted to distance himself from the bad influence of his friends. His agent said that Aaron was super was super focused when he was in California, but noticed that he wasn't as focused when he was in Bristol. He said that when Aaron made it big time, he really struggled with being good and focused on football all of the time. Hmm. Brian, who was his agent, told him that he needed to figure out who he wanted to be and that he couldn't help him be someone he didn't want to be, which is sound advice. Brian also didn't believe that Aaron could be who he needed to be back home. There were too many bad habits out there. Well, at the Combine, Aaron went to have drinks with some of the reporters and scouts, including Ian Rappaport, the one that he told him was going to fucking kill him. Yep. Hey, I love you, man. Yeah. But if you ever uh, you ever turn on me... I'll fucking kill you. I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. Well, at this drink-having time, one of the scouts raised a glass to Aaron and said, Man, we were wrong about you. I bet he would like to retract that statement. At the time, they didn't know about Bradley or the double murders. In fact, most people didn't know about the double murders like in general even the people that lived in boston as the night went on they all got pretty drunk this is when ian saw aaron change for the first time aaron walked outside to get a cab and started peeing on it the guys he was with told him he couldn't do that and he got angry what you can't pee on a cab can you maybe maybe perhaps he didn't understand why the hell he couldn't pee on a cab. He was so used to doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. He thought this was he thought he was above the He thought he was above the law because that's how he had always been treated. Well, now he's in California and people aren't treating him like that. When Aaron went to the West Coast to do his rehabilitation on his shoulder, he and Shiana rented a house there, but he wasn't spending any time with Tom Brady or his wife and daughter. He flew his buddies out there a lot and was partying constantly. So basically now he's just partying on the other side of the United States with the same fucking people. This caused a lot of fights between him and Shayanna. 
On March 25th, she called the cops because Aaron had hurt his hand. She told him, or she told the uh, 911s that he had cut himself and there was a lot of blood. <laughs> At first it sounded like he slit his wrist or something, but it finally came out that he had punched a window. Because she's like, hurry, he's bleeding, he hurt his, himself, get here. And they're like, huh, he hurt himself, did he do it intentionally, like trying to think that it was suicide and... And she's like, no, he didn't do it intentionally. And then it was like, okay, so what happened was is that he punched a window to get here. He's bleeding. She kept yelling at them, saying he was bleeding and that they needed to get there fast. The cops were called on them a lot for fighting after this. It wasn't Shayana that called later. It was the neighbors calling after that first time that she had called them. And... She chose not to press charges on him. When they got there with that window thing, they're like, do you want to press charges? This is domestic, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, no, no, I'm good. I don't want to. And she never did. All the times the cops came, she never, ever wanted to press charges. Even though it sounds like they were fighting all the time, they decided to go down and get tattoos together. Oh. Aaron said, remind me that we'll always have each other. And Shayana said... When everything else is gone. These were lyrics from an Incubus song. Isn't that fucking romantic? There's also another story, and I think it was when they were in California when DJ went to go visit them. And he said he heard a bunch of fighting and clatter, like clattering. Is that the right word? Arose such a clatter? Arose such a clatter. Did somebody spring to see what was the matter? He did. DJ sprung to see what was the matter. And he came out to find... And out on the lawn? Oh, no. Out in the hallway or whatever, like their balcony from where the the master bedroom was, was their fucking mattress, their king-size mattress. Oh, good. And DJ's like, what the fuck is going on here? And Aaron's like, I lost my phone. He's literally turned apart the fucking house, their bedroom, looking for his phone. Sweet. Temp. Temper, temper. Mm-hmm. A few days later, on April 2nd, the police were called to their house again because of all the fighting. When the cops got there, there was furniture that had been thrown around the room. Hmm. Sounds mm-hmm. like that maybe he did it a lot. Yes. On April 11th, Aaron made Aaron made some deposits. $1,835,809 dollars. One million eight hundred thirty-five, eight hundred and nine. You know what I'm saying. I think I said it right the first time. From the Patriots, and another thirty thousand from Puma for endorsements. He then wired fifteen thousand dollars to Oscar Hernandez's parents' bank account. Oscar used the money to buy two pistols: a Colt AR-15 and a Hungarian-made AK-47, and a used Toyota Camry, which was used to ship all these guns to Aaron's house. Shayana signed for all of this. She signed for the car carrying all the guns. So they bought the car just to ship it to put the guns in it. Like, I don't... Whatever. Aaron soon went back to that tattoo shop (laughs) that he got the tattoos with Shayana at. He got a tattoo of a smoking pistol muzzle with a spent shell under it. He also got one above his wrist of a revolver with five bullets in the chamber that said God forgives. Wow. Alright. Mm-hmm. But it was written backwards so he could see it in the mirror. How fucking... Wow. Yeah. 
During all of this, he and Bradley had been texting each other. <clears throat> now, I'm going to I'm going to read you these text exchanges. So here's here's how it went. You, this is Bradley. You did that bullshit for no reason, and me being the real friend I was to you, I didn't try to ruin. I didn't try to ruin you even after you tried to kill me. Think about how real that is. The tears should be in my eyes after the way you betrayed me. I never crossed you in no way. I hate how they text. Oh, the, their texts yeah. hurt me in every way. Then here's what Aaron says. I love you and you are not going to frame me for some bread. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know all means. of this, dude. Yeah. So if somebody knows, I'm glad you do because I don't. I would, and this is back to Bradley. I would never try to frame you. You left me with one eye and a lot of head trauma. You owe for what you did, and it's too bad you don't know me enough to know that this convo is private between us. This ain't for no lawyer or cop to see. We both know what happened. The truth is the truth. If I dealt with police, my boy, this would have been over and done with. That's what's crazy about this situation. We know each other. So well, you know, I ain't on no BS. You too paranoid. That's what me, we made you do. <laughs> this shit you did. And last, but not least, I always wanted the best for you. Remember that you obviously didn't feel the same. There is no punctuation in this whole entire text message. Nope. And it is very hard to understand. Dude. Alexander Bradley, in the future, will you please use punctuation? So Aaron comes back with, I will always be there for you till the day you die. But not in the state of mind you're in and been in. And I don't know what gotten into you after all these years. We were inseparable. But everything aside, you're always on my mind. And I love you always. And I always will. No homo. Like, no joke, that's what it says. That was not All my edition. Right. That was not my edition. <clears throat> so Bradley says, what is crazy to believe... Or, or, oh, sorry. Bradley says, what's crazy is I believe that part is true. You probably don't think about how real of a nigga I am and how you even flipped on me. But what sickens me is the fact that you are denying this shit like it's for the lawyer or cops. You must really not know me. But I guess I didn't know you either because I would have never thought you'd try to end me. I'm still confused about how hmm. he got his fucking phone back. I, dude, I don't know. I need to know. They just skipped that part. Like, oh, magically he's got his phone so he can te text people. Tudor. Well, this is about the point where Aaron updated his contact info on his phone. And Alexander Bradley's name is now Lies. Because that's grown up. Lies, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have trustworthy niggas like me around? I doubt it, dog. This is Bradley. Six strong with a lot of weaponry. So, um, so hey, you turned this convo to this. Um, Aaron again denied, you know, denied all his shit, saying, "If you ever got me in trouble or ruined my life or something I didn't do, I don't ever want to get back at you. But you will pay." He text. He sorry. You will pay. I'll be back around the way in a couple months, too. And I can't wait to see you because I, I see you still be at your baby mother's crib a bunch. 
love you cuz can't stop loving someone that was the only person that I fucked with and it was like and was like a brother to me but damn you're trying to sue me for something I didn't do and didn't even know about if you could win that then God is on your side but I doubt something can be proved that isn't true now we're going back to Bradley. Here you go threatening again. You know that don't scare me, though. If you knew how G'd up I am, you wouldn't even say that. Then he's told him how G'd up he was. How he's, G'd up you he's is? He's got AK-47s, Mac-11s, Mac-90s, okay. and bulletproof vests. And then he goes back, oh, almost forgot the right niggas to use the weaponry. So this is what Aaron, Bradley's saying to Aaron. If you think them wolves ain't on deck, then try what you gotta try. So they go back and forth with this shit for fucking ever. And then Bradley says, what makes you think I want to kill you? You the one who tried to kill me. And oh, I promise you'll pay for that. And you're so... Uh, and you are so boxed in, you'll be number one suspect. Aaron says, I swear to God, either you know you're trying to ruin my life and kill me when all I did was be there for you. I still love you. No homo. I always will love you. He always has to throw in no, no homo. homo. <clears throat> and Mr. Booty, oh man. Mr. No Booty, oh man, no homo. No homo. And Bradley says, now if, if it ain't going to be this way... Say, fuck you. Ain't getting shit from me. I file a civil suit. You lose. And we hold court in the street. And you think I'm scared to die. Okay. This is Hernandez again. I miss you and love you. And still watch videos of us having fun every single day. And I can't believe this. And I will keep saying I can't believe all of this. Because I truly can't believe all of this shit is going on. If I would really try and kill you. When... If I would really try and kill you when we were that close, I wouldn't and never would want to hurt you and you know that. Love you. Good night. <laughs> Love you. Good night. Love you. Good night. Dude, that sounds like a fight between me and you. You're pissing right? me off. You make bad choices. I love you. Good I night. Love you. Good night. Stop it. And you looked really pretty today. Good night. <laughs> I like your pants. Go to bed. <laughs> good night. So Bradley comes back with not to bother you. <laughs> but feel me on this. When you did that, it's like you come it's like you coming home to your crib and catching your broad in bed with another. You stole my trust and you tore my ego. That was the most complicated text exchange I have ever attempted to read in my life. Those of you who text with N and U and 4 and B4 and all that shit, I don't like you. Nope. I'm going to say that with everything I mean it. I don't like you. <clears throat> you just spell out the fucking words. Just spell it. Did you really <laughs> save that much time? No, because then I can't read it. It takes me longer to fucking read it because I don't know what it means. Anyway. That's where we're leaving. That's where we're stopping. This week is ending. Are we done now? Right now. We are, are we done. done. We're done. Are we done now? Mm-hmm. So next time, we're going to talk about what finally took Aaron down, the trial, more. So, until then, always be loyal so I don't have to fucking kill you. 
And uh, stay out of chalk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.